Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for supporting the podcast in all the different ways you do, starting with prayer. Um, The warfare never ceases, (laughs) but uh, some days it's better than others. But anyway, you guys know how that is. If you are an outspoken, Bible-believing Christian in this day and age, if you are a truth proclaimer and defender, you know it comes against you, and Satan doesn't um, like you. That's that's putting it mildly. He doesn't like because he hates us. Um, let's see. We've got a lot of things to talk about with Elijah Abraham today, but I want to open in prayer. And I do want to remind you of Red Pill Prince, who put up a page for us. They're selling our gear, Stand Up For The Truth podcast gear, T-shirts, uh, hats, coffee mugs, uh, water bottles. Uh, even now they just put kid sizes up in one of their designs. And they did this without even getting any money from us. Um, they just did this to serve our ministry because all the proceeds, after the, the expenses and the cost, they go to our ministry to help the podcast. So they're blessing this ministry, and you can too, uh, by going to StandUpForTheTruth.com. Upper left-hand side, or up top of our website, there's one word. It says merch. That means merchandise, and you can go there, and you can get some conversation starters, start wearing this stuff, and and getting your coffee mug and whatever. So thank you for that. Father, thank you for the support that we have in the body of Christ. I thank you that though the remnant, uh, we are not large numbers in America. We are, however, committed and stronger than ever because of what's coming against us. We've got people that are mature saints, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for these relationships. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for your church, and we pray that we would be able to grow our numbers of those who are saved and committed to being the salt and light that is so desperately needed in this decaying and dark culture and the world around us. Lord, thank you, God, for this day. We recognize your sovereignty and your faithfulness. We thank you for keeping our hearts beating and breath in our lungs and the ability to hear, discern, and understand. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and for this week that we recognize as Passion Week, traditionally and historically. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Elijah Abraham is back with us. Of course, he's a teacher of pastors. He travels a lot. He's an evangelist. Living Oasis Ministries, you can get more information there and connect with him at livingoasis.org. So Elijah, welcome back, brother. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, good morning. You're very welcome. And let's start off with Ukraine. Uh, You are going to Ukraine, I think, did you say next week? Tell us about that. What are you going to be doing? Yes, um, it's been really an incredible opportunity that the Lord has um, opened for our ministry. Uh, As you know, I've been going to Eastern Europe uh, for the last uh, few years training pastors and churches and uh, also seminary students and uh, uh, Bible colleges. And um, part of our ministry also do Zoom teaching when I'm not there. And uh, about a month ago, 
when the situation uh, happened with Ukraine, uh, my ministry partners and pastors that I trained on Zoom, they said, look, we need to suspend this because we are overwhelmed. We cannot uh, even afford to uh, pay the fuel for the heat to keep uh, these refugees. So they put them in their homes and their churches, uh, not enough uh, supplies for food and beddings and all of that. And the Lord just uh, spoke to me and my wife and uh, put a burden in our hearts. Okay, what can we do to help? Uh, so I sent out a newsletter to our supporters and people on our uh, email list. And uh, I said, well, I've never done humanitarian before. So we uh, I put a number of, okay, let's raise $10,000 to send to uh, help. Well, the Lord uh, blessed within 48 hours, we had $15,000. Wow. And as of uh, yesterday, uh, we have approximately 24000 uh, we already sent 10,000 uh, ahead of us, ahead of my trip. Uh, and that really blessed uh, uh, minister to refugees in at least four cities, um, including the capital city. And um, I will send another installment uh, this week and the rest I will carry with me mm. next week. So next week I'm flying uh, to Eastern Europe, uh, to Romania, Moldova, Greece uh, and Bulgaria and possibly also uh, Switzerland. So wow. um, if that's uh, if that happened, Lord willing, and everything goes well, uh, I will be multiple things, hmm. doing multiple things. I'll be preaching, teaching these refugees and, and love on them and let them know that uh, uh, they're, uh, there are people in America who love them and uh, care for them and pray for them and definitely Amen. for salvation. Uh, but also encourage the workers, the Christian workers and the pastors that I've been working with. They are really overwhelmed and um, and uh, do um, uh, some kind of a retreat or conference. Uh, it's going to because of time is going to be really short um, and do some teaching. I will be conducting teaching uh, in Romania uh, to uh, a few churches as well as pastors. But we will cross into Bulgaria. Uh, it's about an hour and a half or so from uh, the capital city of uh, Romania and um, uh, do uh, a conference for churches who work among Muslims. Uh, so we pray for that. Uh, and then I will be uh, doing a conference in Greece uh, for uh, some churches and also meet uh, the leadership and for future ministry. Mm. Uh, so uh, I have uh, and then we'll go to Moldova. Um, I'll be in Moldova, um, work with the uh, the university and seminary there that I uh, did uh, teaching there because they house in about 200 refugees. And the, all of the refugees, uh, majority of them are women and children, by the way. Wow. Uh, and that's really been a heartbreaker. Uh, and then I'll travel to the other cities that would be in help and fund uh, some of the need over there. Uh, in one in ca uh, Christian camp, uh, they have over uh, 300 uh, refugees, uh, as well as some of the other churches I will be visiting. So it's going to be uh, long. Uh, I'll be traveling just over three weeks, which is a long trip. Yes. Uh, usually I don't travel that long. Wow. But uh, the Lord just uh, continue to open opportunities like this for our ministry. And, and I appreciate your, your prayers, as well as all the listeners who are. Uh, now hearing about it for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm asking them to pray for this trip for strength, um, physical ability to uh, do such uh, 
long trip as well as teaching and also to uh, God open the doors in the hearts uh, of the women and children and whoever that needs to hear the gospel. Um, we are living in really interesting times. Yes. Um, and uh, from my experience as I travel around the world and here in the United States, uh, people, whether it be Christians or none, they really sense there's something going on. Uh, in the world, mm. and they sense that uh, it's not going to go back as it was before. That's it's right. going to be some kind of new world that we are uh, going to be living in. Uh, the question, the, the uncertainty for them, they don't know what kind of world is going to look like and be. <clears throat> um, and for us as believers, uh, we have uh, incredible foundation that we can come alongside of these people who are anxious that we could give the message of hope mm. that uh, this life is passing. Uh, we need to focus on the heavenly places uh, and our home is, this is not our home. Our home is with the Lord Jesus. So it's, uh, it's exciting times. Yes. And yeah, we've been talking a lot about the signs of the times and the new world order that's been talked about for who knows of over 50 years. Um, right. But Elijah, God bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness to answer the call to go over and teach and minister and to uh, just be uh, open to sharing the gospel and allowing God to use you however he will. So, uh, friends, remember to pray for Elijah, especially next week. What day do you fly out, Elijah? Yes, I fly out uh, next Wednesday, uh, the 20th, and uh, I come back May 13th. Okay, Wednesday the 20th. Keep him in prayer for safe travels and that he would remain healthy and strong and just, just empowered by the Holy Spirit on that long trip. So Elijah, really quick, a lot of our listeners want to know there's a lot of scams out there and people raising money for Ukraine. What can you, what kind of advice can you give people that really want to help other than praying for the people and the church there? Because their leadership uh, cannot be trusted. Um, They are global. Uh, Zelensky is a disciple of the World Economic Forum and he, one of his mentors is um, Justin Trudeau. Uh, so, yeah. so Elijah, give us advice on pe- people that are listening out how we can help other than prayer and supporting you. Well, uh, for our ministry, for example, uh, 100% of those, uh, uh, the funds that are being given through our ministry, 100% goes to the need of the refugees. Uh, mm. We don't take any, because again, that's a beautiful thing about being independent. Mm. I don't, you know, we are not under a big, huge ministry or uh, mission agency or denomination umbrella. So, because we tried that before. I used to be under a mission agency to manage our funds, and, and that did not work out because mm. they take about uh, 15% right off the top. Wow. Um, and that costs a lot of money. Uh, so uh, a lot of uh, all of the funds that have been given for this project through our ministry, 100% goes uh, to the ministry uh, to meet the need for this project. However, um, my advice is that if people want to give or want to help, um, and, you know, do your due diligence with the ministry yeah. that you're going to yes. uh, try to give money to or through them. First, uh, <clears throat> do, uh, are they approachable? Uh, two, um, who are the people that they're ministering to or through? Who are the, the ministry partners? Uh, for, for, for us, for our ministry, um, my ministry partners are the pastors, local churches uh, that I know. These are my students uh, that I met, I fellowship with, I ate with, and uh, we prayed together. So I know them in a personal way. 
uh, not uh, a big organization in these countries and I'm going to work through that big organization. No, I'm, I'm, our ministry is really mainly with the boots on the ground. Uh, and I know that, and believe me, uh, the moment I start sending the money and I requested, okay, give me pictures, give me videos, give me reports uh, because of accountability. And uh, they have. Uh, and uh, this trip, I will see it with my own eyes as well. So there is that process of accountability that uh, it needs to be um, vetted. Uh, whoever that uh, your listeners want to give to, uh, they want to make sure that this will be taken care of. Uh, also, if they're going to give any money, uh, they could uh, maybe uh, designate it. Uh, I'm not sure that from one ministry to another is different. But they could designate it. They could put a lot of with it or on the check. They need to put 100% needs to go to Ukrainian refugees fund or something like that. Uh, and then uh, the, these ministries uh, by law obligated to give that 100% that you have designated will go to that. But the question is, again, in the process from America to these um, individuals that they are partners, these ministries partners, how is they going to dis disperse that funds and what is it going to use for? Uh, it's, it's de it depends from one ministry to another. And uh, there are some great ministries out there. They, they are doing a great job. Mm -hmm. So it's just preference of the people, your listeners, who they're going to give it to. Uh, so one is the giving. Two, prayer. Three, go volunteer. Find out uh, which ministry that they are sending teams uh, to love on these uh, refugees and minister to them. Um, not necessarily you have to go to um, uh, Ukraine itself, even though there are some ministries like Samaritan Purse and others who are in the um, in the war zone. <laughs> but uh, there are ministries who are going to the neighboring uh, countries, like I am. Uh, I'm going to the neighboring countries bordering Ukraine. Um, but there are some other ministries doing it uh, in Romania, Moldova, Ukraine, uh, Hungary, and these countries, because all these refugees, like, for example, in, uh, in uh, Poland, I think uh, they're close to 1.2 million refugees. Wow. In Moldova, close to about uh, 400,000. Romania, close to 300,000, and keep coming. Um, and it's, uh, you know, part of that, uh, when you volunteer, you could go to the borders and uh, with your ministry partners uh, to bring these refugees from the borders into a safe area. Uh, our ministry partners, they send me some videos, really heartbreaking videos. Oh. Um, going these uh, buses or minivans and just uh, grab as many people and just um, stuff that van with uh, refugees to bring them back to safety. Uh, just to give you a really a, an indication about how hard it is, one of my ministry partners is a young man that has an incredible um, uh, young man as far as logistics. I asked him, how is he doing? Uh, of course, we are communicating by text for uh, different applications. And he said, well, I can't sleep at night very well. I said, why? He said, well, I cannot get this image in my head. Uh, at the border uh, where this woman on her knees hanging on to my knees mm. begging me to put her in the van he said but the van was just overstuffed we there was no room for her mm. and we have to leave her at the border uh, and he said I cannot get that image out of my my mind so wow. it's, it's been some some people lost everything some people trying to go to Western Europe and other places so again I'm just giving you some 
yes. uh, ideas for your listeners. If they want to participate, they can do that in, in that aspect. Uh, but if they all, especially in the giving, because that has been misused before, mm. uh, all they need to do is just talk to whoever the ministry they want to give to. Okay, how much of this money if I give? How much of it is going to go to the Ukrainian uh, refugee fund? And if they say 100%, uh, great. That's that's a good ministry. If they say, well, we uh, it's eighty five percent or ninety percent, that's up to your giver if they want to continue with that or not. So Elijah, they can go to livingoasis.org and um, there's a you can donate now. There's a link under yes. under support, and that yeah. they can say this. Right. Please help the Ukraine refugees with this right. money. Right. When they go to our website and they click support and they click donate, it'll take them to a separate page. And in the page, they go through whatever uh, the, the details they want to give. In the bottom, there's a comment box. Okay. All they have to do, refugee, uh, ref, uh, Ukrainian refugee fund. I see it. Yep. And that's all they need to write on that box. Great. And, and we um, uh, isolate that from our ministry fund. And 100% of that will go to uh, meet the need uh, of the refugees. Three minutes left in this segment. Um, Elijah Abraham, our guest today, flying out next Wednesday to the Ukraine. And a uh, long trip, and uh, I'm sure it will be fruitful. We trust in Jesus' name. Uh, you know, this is Passion Week, and we just celebrated Palm Sunday. A lot of very interesting teachings on from Daniel on the exact time the Messiah was going to appear and show himself to the people on that triumphal entry into Jerusalem and all that took place there with them shouting, Hosanna! and really thinking they had a political savior. They had a savior that was going to take over Rome and set up rule right then. Well, that's not, that wasn't the plan of God. It, that wasn't his time. Elijah, just your thoughts on this season that we're in. And then when we come back from break, I've got some questions about how American churches can celebrate Easter. Well, uh, the, we, it's interesting. Sometimes we Christians, we've been in the church for so long, we forgot that at one point we used to be sinners and lost. And, well, uh, our flesh is still sinful. Uh, we are saved. Uh, spirit and soul is being saved. We're waiting for this body to be perfected. Um, but we sometimes we forgot that we were lost and destined to go to hell. And we need to stop you know, really thinking that way and get into the norm and the going into the church day in and day, day out, Sunday after Sunday, and it's just like a routine. We need to really think about why am I Christian? Uh, why am I, why I believe what I believe? Um, and what did Jesus really did uh, on the cross? What did he do on the cross? Um, he did not do that uh, lightly. Uh, the scripture is very clear. He emptied himself to the point of death. He left his glory. He left his throne. Uh, humiliate himself willingly. I mean, nobody forced him willingly. And the reason he did that, you know, to do the Father's will and to that he loved us before the foundation of the world. And he let his creation to die on the cross. And, you know, when, even when we say, oh, he died on the cross and we brush that. But you have to think about that. That kind of death is a criminal death, was torture. Uh, was painful to the point was the agony that he had to go through. He did not have to go through that because he was perfect. Yeah, He did not need to, but he did it for you and for me and for every person that put their faith and trust in him. That we have to really contemplate on, on the sacrifice, the huge sacrifice mm. that I was supposed to be nailed to the cross, but he did that for me. Yes, um, And that by itself 
if we keep that in mind in our forehead, for you know, in our mind constantly, that at one point I was destined to go to hell. But because what Jesus did on the cross, now I am his child. I've been adopted as a child of God. And because he's a king, I'm a prince. You're a prince. If they are ladies in the audience, they're princesses of the living God. And because Jesus had a kingdom, uh, we are co-heirs with him. We will rule with him. Uh, that would never happen hmm. if Jesus did not die on the cross. That's right. Ever. Amen. So we need to keep that in mind. And as we uh, celebrate the Easter Sunday, uh, we need to be thankful and appreciative of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. We've got a lot more to talk about, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And now we will be saved from the wrath of God through Jesus. More with Elijah Abraham, Easter, and the Bible reading habits of Americans coming up next on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Elijah Abraham, Living Oasis Ministries, and the website, of course, you can go to, you can support, you can get more information on Elijah at livingoasis.org. And uh, I've got some great articles that I've been printing out here because this is Passion Week. Uh, great apologetics, a lot of great information on not only what happened, uh, the eyewitnesses, early testimony, the copies of the manuscripts we have from the Bible that no other literary, literary work in the world can boast. And, uh, of course, we've got uh, just, just so much information that is true. Also, historical accounts, people outside the Bible you might call extra-biblical information. So for people to not believe or to deny what is the overwhelming evidence uh, for Jesus and that he is the, the person he said he was, he is God, um, it is really disappointing, but not everybody will believe. Let's talk about a new poll that came out from the American Bible Society. So Elijah, they discovered some startling, their word, information uh, revealing a massive drop in Bible-reading Americans. Now, this what's interesting about this, Elijah, the last couple years for many of us have been some of the most stressful in our lives or some of the top stressful times in our lives due to uh, COVID or due to health issues, due to lockdowns, due to government uh, power grabs and medical tyranny. But it's interesting, in the last year, Bible people's Bible reading habits have decreased. I would have thought the opposite. So here's what they say. They found an unprecedented drop in the number of Americans who read the Bible and the group defined, listen to this, Elijah, the group defined, quote, Bible users as those who read the Bible at least three to four times a year on their, oh on their own outside of a church setting, which is, talk about low bar. Um, so your thoughts on this, it, it dropped dramatically, 10% over the last year. And uh, this is astounding to me when people need God, truth, and his word more than ever. Well, uh, David, I mean, this did not happen last year. <laughs> yes. You know, this has been gradual for mm -hmm. the last 40 years, yes. maybe 50. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, and the Bible has been under attack in the United States uh, in a really intensive way uh, since the 60s, as you know. And it's getting to the point, it's got even worse when the seeker-sensitive movement uh, risen up in the early 80s 
Um, and then you got the emerging church uh, came along and uh, they kept looking for alternatives to the Bible. So the Bible kept getting pushed back further and further in the back burner because you got all these authors coming out with books that the church go through study of that particular book instead of studying the Bible. So the Bible has been diminished as the final authority in, the, in these churches. Um, and uh, it's just a, um, an afterthought uh, because uh, people are too busy. They don't see it as the word of life that is God's love letter to humanity, that it has uh, its own guidance to everything that happens in your life and in mine. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it does not surprise me, to be honest with you, uh, the statistics that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. It does not surprise me at all. Um, and then technology came along, so who needs to carry a Bible? So you have all these apps. Well, <laughs> uh, and then you have the app uh, that should be uh, in the statistics. When was the last time you launched that app and read it or listened to it? Um, so probably the statistics will be even higher as far as um you know people not doing it mm. so uh, when i do the training and teaching overseas uh with with the pastors that's the first sessions that i teach is one why study doctrine two mm. what is the doctrine of the bible and we make sure go through why why we got why we believe in the bible is the word of god how did the uh, the bible got together and collected is it trustworthy What's revelation? What's inspiration? What's canonization? What's illumination? And finally, um, we all agree that the Bible is final authority. Hmm. And I continue finishing the teaching because I know later on, uh, during certain doctrines, they're going to have some struggles because they've never been taught and I have multiple denominations represented. So whenever they object into something, you know, I mentioned or taught, I said, okay, I take, I take the Bible. I said, okay, what is this? They said, the Bible. Uh, is this a final authority? They say, yes. I said, okay, let's open and see what it says about your question or about this doctrine. And I'm telling you, it's wonderful because I let the Word of God do the fighting for me. I don't argue with people. I, so here's what God says. You either believe it or you don't. You either uh, obey it or you don't. Uh, you have to read it in black and white, not in gray. Um, and either it's authority or not. Mm. You cannot say, yeah, it's final authority, but yeah, uh, this is what is, you know, uh, my life is this. No, the Bible does not submit to your life. You submit to the Bible. So this has not been taught into uh, churches and our congregations, and especially now young generation. They have not been taught that to honor the Bible, it is the word of God. It is a final authority. And you, anytime you have trouble, you go, um, you know, or any kind of question you have in, in life, whether it be trouble or not, uh, you go to the scriptures. Mm. Uh, so that has not been taught and ingrained in the mind and souls of uh, church members. So, yeah, no wonder the statistics it shows as you mentioned. Yes. And part of it, obviously, we have talked about this for a long time. Guys, if you're new to this podcast, go up to the search bar at standupforthetruth.com. Just type in Elijah Abraham. We've had a lot of great discussions on the information, uh, just, just about the difference between biblical Christianity and American Christianity and how the lukewarm church seems to be prevalent today, how we got here, 
and just a lot of great discussions, I believe, that w- will help people. But Elijah, it says that nearly 26 million Americans reduced or stopped their reading of the Scripture last year. That's the 10, yeah. that's the 10% they were talking about in that decline in one year, which is really, like I said, for the times we're living in, it is astounding. So people don't have the revelation that the Bible is God's Word. All Scripture is inspired by Him. It is authoritative. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And how much of that falls on the pulpit, and how much responsibility is the individual Christian? Well, first and foremost, I have to kind of question about these 26 million. The question is, are they really truly born again? Great question. Uh, so uh, if they are born again, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's in them. Mm-hmm. And they cannot help themselves but have hunger for God's word. Mm-hmm. Cannot help themselves uh, and for them to find out what, what does God have to say about this issue, that issue, because I need God in my life. Mm-hmm. Yes, not all of them are faithful. I got it. Um, but uh, they, as long as they are born-again believers, they're child of God, they have the Holy Spirit in them, believe me, uh, they will read the Scriptures more than three times a year. <laughs> um, so that's my first inclination of asking the question, are they really truly born again? So that's one. Now that's the second part is what you asked. Um, is it the, where there is a responsibility falls on the, the, the from the pulpits, the elders, the deacons, or the church members? Where does it fault? All the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say the the sole responsibility falls on the pastors and elders. Why? Because Jesus, you remember, he confronted Peter after his resurrection. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. And he repeated that three times. So he's not asking Peter to feed them fish. He's asking them to feed them the word of God. So you got elders and pastors who stopped doing what God called them to do, and that is feed God's flock. And remember, they are, these church members are not the elders and the pastor's flock. They are the under shepherds. It is God's flock, and God is jealous. And he is do, seeing what these pastors and elders doing to his church, to his flock. And he is grieved, but he's also uh, going to uh, hold these people accountable. So if, if I, <laughs> that's what really scares me. About, I've, I shudder in fear for these people. What I mean, people, the pastors and elders who are really not adhering to God's word and teaching properly. Because someday they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and they have to give an answer why they did not equip and teach their uh, church members, which is God's children. Amen. So you got that. And you, when you go to Acts chapter 2, and you see the four uh, essentials or four pillars of the church, after the 3,000 uh, got saved, the first 3,000 after Peter preached, and they increased in number, they would, this says they dedicated themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Well, teaching what? The scripture. Which scripture? At the time, all they had is Old Testament. The New Testament was still in the process of getting written. So the teaching of the scripture and preaching of the scripture and prayer, fellowship, and breaking bread. These are the four corners uh, of, of the church. Uh, and these, the, the teaching of the scripture is being fallen apart for the last 50 years or so. And now that's the last thing in, in pastor's mind because 
it's all about little sermonette. It's all about song and dance. It's all about, um, you know, human psychology and what makes me feel good kind of thing. And uh, they sacrifice the teaching of the scripture uh, at the altar of praise and worship, which yes. takes about 45, 50 minutes and all this mind numbing repetition. Uh, I love worship. I love singing. I love hymns. Mm -hmm. I love good contemporary songs that have theology in it. Yes. But not of this uh, repetition. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, we have worshiptainment. That's the word today now, worshiptainment. Right. So, and then prayer uh, is being sacrificed in the church. It's, when I'm saying the church and church service, because it's just like an opening and closing of a program. Uh, 30 seconds in the beginning, 30 seconds in the, in the, in the end. Okay, let's go and have go to lunch for buffet. Uh, fellowship, that's kind of slowly but surely is being reduced um, because uh, people becoming more and more isolated and being individualists, um, which is that's where the culture influenced the church instead of the church influencing the culture. So we have lost the art of hospitality. Mm. Um, and, and so that's that's what's been happening. And so you got people come to church looking for um, significance, looking for purpose. But uh, all they've been getting, unfortunately, the status quo of American Christianity that has not been fulfilling spiritually for them. And a lot of them throw their head, hands in the air and say, OK, I guess that's what Christianity is. But they really never experienced true biblical faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and biblical understanding of what the scripture is and how it can nourish the soul, nourish the body hmm. um, and how it guides people during such a time as this, that it's uncertain, it's fearful. You got the globalists, you got this, you got that. We, we hear and, and, uh, and talk about so much about what the evil one is doing in the world, but we don't talk about how God is using that and in, in making the hearts of men and women tender to hear the gospel. And we are seeing more people come to know Christ in the last two years than I've seen in the last 25 years. Hmm. So it's something that we need to keep in mind. God is still on his throne, is still in control. Yes, this is a wicked world and dark world, but what do you expect? Hmm. You know, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And this world is dark and this world is passing. So God planted his church, we, the church, uh, as a light. That's why he called us, you're the light of the world, as a light in the middle of a dark and wicked world so we could continue preaching the gospel to snatch people out of the darkness of Satan into the light of Christ. And that's our role. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not here to wish that this planet, this world is going to be wonderful and utopian and comfortable. It's not going to happen. You know, it, even if it does, it's going to be temporary. Because you and I and those who read the scripture know that it's going to get really ugly hmm. before the Lord Jesus comes for his church. And it gets really ugly in the second coming. Yes. So uh, it's, it's something that we need to let go. Don't hang on to this world. Keep your palms are open. Don't hang on to it with like a fist because this world is passing. And just focus on what is eternal. Let me invest my life into things that is of the kingdom. In eternity because that's the only thing that jesus christ will reward his children for what they've done here on this planet he's not going to reward you or me for the things that we've done for our own glory um or for our own for people to say attaboy no he's going to give us rewards the things that it's eternal not earthly so 
Elijah, we've got three minutes left in this segment, and we've got to talk about how some churches will be, quote, celebrating Easter, not necessarily the resurrection, <laughs> but Easter yeah. with, um, I mean, the bunny, the egg hunts, chocolates, pastel decorations, parties, and I know a lot of this is geared toward kids, but churches, we've even received pl- press releases of churches doing egg hunts. Uh, they're calling it a fun family event for Easter Sunday. They, they say we're going to have great music, a photo booth, and a relevant message. So we don't want to come down hard on all these all churches, but Elijah, for those who are listening who maybe go to a church like this and they're doing all this activity and this fun stuff, the relevant message and the photo booth and the egg hunts, what encouragement or advice would you give to Bible-believing Christians that are part of the remnant to approach their pastors or church leaders about some of the things and getting the focus back on the truth of Scripture? Yeah, I mean, if I'm a church member and and I see my church is doing this and that's all they do, I will approach the pastor in a loving way. I say, Mm. brother, uh, pastor, what is your message going to be this Sunday or during that, uh, you know, the egg hunt? Uh, Can you please give me an outline? It doesn't hurt to ask that. He might get offended and, you know, wow, like, who are you? No, I'm just curious. Is it going to be Christ-centered or is it going to be, you know, uh, egg-centered or culture-centered? Because if that's the case, that's not Easter. The, these people need to know, especially coming from the community for the egg hunt, but they need to know they, they hear the message of the cross. Uh, so they need, you know, our, you know, basically we need to hold our people, especially pastors who are going to preach, are you going to make it Christ-centered, cross-centered, or is it going to be just the celebration and the music and the chocolate and the egg hug, all of that? Second, uh, what kind of example are we leaving those kids uh, growing up? That's all they do on every every Easter, and that's the expectation. So Easter has no meaning for these kids. So as they get older and become adults, absolutely Easter's not going to be meaning anything because it's just another pagan holiday, and the church celebrates it. So we need to make sure that, uh, yeah, there are some Christ- some churches would do egg hunts, but I have seen uh, pastors use that opportunity to preach the gospel, and yes. they are faithful with, for the cross and praise God for them. So we need to be very careful uh, not to pass judgment on everybody, and it's really not my church, it's God's church. But we need to be also uh, hold these uh, pastors accountable that they need to stay on the message because if they're called by Jesus— they need to be faithful to Jesus. Thank you, Elijah. Um, I was part of a church years ago that did something like uh, the, the a photo booth. And I think, I don't remember if it was the Easter Bunny or just a photo right. of families during Easter that came in. And the, there was really not a message that was a, a sound teaching from Scripture that you could say, this is what Jesus did for us. This is the gospel, and this is why we do what we do, and and so I was just I've learned so much just by going to different churches and seeing how different yeah. uh, denominations handle it. And we've got to get back to the Bible, folks. I mean, how would people over in the underground church talk about Easter? I don't I think the Easter Bunny is even a topic. But anyway, we've got to come back with Elijah and talk about these recent events on uh, ecumenism, the evangelical Muslim and Jewish leaders coming together to work together. Uh oh, let's talk about that next on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Elijah Abraham. Uh, okay, so we talked about the Ukraine. We talked about refugees. We talked about the gospel. 
um, talked about how churches are needing to be ministered to, and we also talked about Easter, Resurrection Sunday, Passion, uh, what should be taught, um, how your church approaches Easter or handles this time of year. And now we've got to talk about churches who are open to working with other religions and other maybe denominations or religions. We had a great conversation a week or so ago about The Chosen and Dallas Jenkins working with Mormons and having a Catholic star and a guy that's, uh, you know, they had a picture taken with the Pope and all that, but really put on, produced by Mormons. And um, it's not on Mormonism, but uh, The Chosen is not all biblical content. A lot of it's, as you know, uh, but we talked about that. So now it's evangelical Muslim and Jewish leaders, and we've We've got to address some of this, and Elijah, I want to hear your thoughts, because some uh, one of these things took place in Dallas, where you're at, another one in Kansas City, another one in Washington, D.C. last week, Global Faith Forum discussions, and uh, the Multi-Faith Neighbors Network. It was their, their gatherings this year, the three major faiths, Christian, Muslim, and Jewish. Uh, this is all based on the premise that transformation begins with intentional relationships and developing bonds between religions. So I've got a couple quotes from the article. I want to just get your thoughts right off the top on um, just, is this wrong? Is this right? Do they have good intentions? Is Does that even matter? Well, yeah, good intentions is okay as long as there is um, boundaries or clarity of what I believe, what they believe, uh, what the other third party believe, where everybody believes. Okay, so why are we getting together? Is it uh, so we could compromise on our belief system? Or are we getting together so we could bring peace to the world and try not to talk, uh, you know, have refugees and wars and all of that, that, okay, I'm all for that. But I am not going to come to the table for interfaith dialogue, which I hate that word, dialogue, mm. you know, yeah. interfaith dialogue. There's no such thing as interfaith dialogue. Everybody come in uh, for the premise to defend the faith at the cost of the Bible. Compromise. So, yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, the Christians have compromised way too long um, whenever they deal with situations like this and interfaith dialogue, uh, global interfaith, or whatever you want to call it. So... Um, and that's that's really what concerns me, and that's really kind of uh, desensitizing a lot of um, believers uh, or church members. I have to kind of really define which groups are in the church. <laughs> um, so it really make them say, okay, yeah, yeah, this is acceptable. You know, it's great to get along uh, and all of that, but um, then that, that deludes the message of the gospel, that deludes... Uh, why Jesus came, uh, deludes the, uh, who Jesus is. Um, you know, the Jewish people deny Jesus as, as the Messiah. Um, and um, the Muslims deny Jesus as to be the Son of God. Hmm. Um, so what do we have in common with, with the two? Yes. Yeah, the Jews are in denial because they have the Old Testament and they are in disobedience to God. Muslims have the Quran, has nothing to do with the Old Testament or the New Testament, and they are in direct violation of God's laws and his commandments. And they are, uh, you know, the Quran and Islamic spirit put, again, I'm going to separate Muslims from Islam. Okay. Islam itself is an antichrist spirit. So Muslims are in darkness and we need to share the gospel with them to get them out of that darkness. Hmm. So 
when when you got these groups, three groups get together, um, what are the Christians are saying? Uh, what are proclaiming? Uh, what do they stand for? When they open a meeting, do they all, each one of them stop praying to the is Jewish prayer or the Islamic prayer or the Christian prayer? What are we talking about here? Hmm. So uh, I'm not a fan of stuff like something like this. If you want to call it, um, you know, advancing world peace, you don't have to specifically call it by religion, uh, Jewish, Christian and Muslim and all faiths and so on will get together why not have a you know peace conference where all represented including mormons and jehovah's witness sikh hindu buddhist whoever um we are because and the reason for that put your religion aside we're all humans we all share the same planet we want to have peace i'm all i'm all for that yes peace you know peace but and safety you, yeah but when you bring <laughs> uh religion into it mm. and and specifically saying uh, the three great Abrahamic religions, it, Islam has nothing to do with Abraham. Thank you. So, but, but when you say three Abrahamic religions and getting together in harmony and this and that, what is really the ultimate goal? And that's another way of deception, I think, that uh, it's not serving the, the gospel or the church. And that's, again, it's been going on for years and years. And it's another way of diluting the authority of the Bible and the, the power of the cross and the identity of Christ Jesus and who he is. So, Elijah, in order to kind of step away from theology, because there are major differences, there are stark contrasts in the three major religions, you almost have to just focus on works on serving the community, uh, help, right. helping a food bank or feeding the poor or, or whatever. And you cannot focus on theology because, especially for the Christian message, but they're all exclusive. They all believe things that their, their way is the right way. So have yeah. you ever known um, the Muslims that are involved in these movements, these multi-faith or interfaith movements, to compromise anything? You, like it's, you said earlier, I think usually it's the Christian or the evangelicals right. that end up compromising. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when they say, "Yeah, we are here in harmony," and if you uh, if you remember the, the YouTube, uh, I watched it on YouTube. Uh, I forgot the gentleman's name. He was supposedly an apologist, and he had an opportunity really to defend the faith, but he kind of cowed down uh, to the imam and the supposedly the imam. And they were in the church. Uh, they had one a meeting in the church and a meeting at uh, in a mosque, and the one in the meeting in the church. The, the Christian apologist kept saying, this is not about debate, it's not about debate, and we're here again to dialogue. But the guy, the Muslim, came armed and dangerous as far as debate, and he was debating for Islam. Hmm. So you can see that on, on, uh, you know, on the camera. Uh, and I think that's where we need to make sure uh, that we as Christians, if you're going to represent Christ, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Just Amen. stand for what you are. Look, even if you get together with Muslims, shake hands and say, look, I know we have differences, theological differences. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ. And say it in front of the audience. We as Christians, we believe the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, died for humanity. We believe in God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet one God. And I know you don't believe that, but the reason we are here is that we are humans we share common uh, grounds as far as we live in this planet. We have the same challenges by the globalists. And let us get together where we could help our communities, not just one community, communities 
live in harmony. Mm. That's all you have to say. You don't have to compromise. Um, and and I, look, I participated way back when I was in seminary, right after 9-11, uh, at a uh, town hall meeting, which I will never do that again because it was just <laughs> nightmare. But uh, we had two Christians and uh, seven Muslims wow. in the panel. In the panel uh, well, three Christians, including me. Um, so one of them was a professor uh, who's a Christian. And another one who's a convert from Pakistan, and the rest uh, you had two, three imams, and God knows what else the, the other guy was. So anyway, um, and the final question was, do you believe that the Quran uh, promotes violence and terrorism or jihad? My Christian brothers, they say, well, it's got a lot of good for their things, and we have to focus on the good things in the Quran and this and that. And they did not say anything. I'm the only one. At the time, you know, I did not realize this can get, get me killed. <laughs> I was naive. Wow. But I'm the only one who says, uh, well, read in the Quran. They got 149 verses in the Quran uh, promoting jihad. Uh, how could you say it does not promote uh, violence? Uh, I would say absolutely it does promote violence. Uh, so it, 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 you have to really face the fire if you're going to stand up for the truth. Um, otherwise, you just cut down for the approval of people. And believe me, um, yeah, later on, a week later, they're going to forget all about you. But what did that do to your credibility? What did that do to the, to the gospel and to the truth? Uh, basically, you shot yourself in the foot and, and uh, your testimony is all shot. Uh, nobody's going to listen to it. Do you remember Rick Warren's um, a, a common word or something like that? They were, yes. He, the, he was, you know, global peace plan. He's been yes. in this globalist movement for a while, and he signed this this document compromising. And I'm thinking, well, what, like this, for example, this one. They say they're trying to work toward the common good and right. collaborate with one another. Okay, stop right there. If if this is just about peace, uh, I get it. But but how do how do we collaborate with right. with Muslims with uh, you know, Jews, Jews with the, I mean, Wicca, you go on down the Hindus, you know, how do we collaborate, corroborate? What are they trying to do? Uh, good question. To be honest with you, I, I really don't know. But the only thing I can tell you from the other side, their idea of collaboration is that you constantly submit to their way of thinking. Hmm. Interesting. And, uh, yeah. Under the umbrella, under the umbrella of peace or whatever it is, that's harmony and all these you know, key phrases that Good. they use. Nice words. Yeah. So, uh, you know, don't compromise. The, the scripture never gave you or me permission to compromise on the truth. Hmm. You preach it, you teach it. People get upset. Said, it's not me saying it. Let me show you the verses. Here's what the Bible says. Your, your problem is not with me. It's the problem is with the Bible and God who wrote the Bible. Hmm. So go, go complain to him. Don't complain to me. That's right. So, and I think that's where the issue is. You got Christians, what well, I mean, Christian pastors or those who are in those debates, whatever. They're really not willing to stand up and develop a thick skin. No, they're not. And, and here's the thing, Elijah, we've been kind of programmed and conditioned, not just as a church, but as Americans, to be compassionate, to kind of make decisions based on feeling, not on fact or not on theology. Right. And that comes back to the church when you're wanting to to have these good feelings of I'm reaching out, I'm, I'm loving my neighbors, so I'm going to right. compromise here. 
these are See, these are not good conclusions to reach. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the problem. When people say, "Well, put theology aside, put doctrine aside," uh, <laughs> let's talk about this. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, my theology, my doctrine dictates how I communicate with people, how I uh, treat people, how I live my life. So it's integrated. So for me to separate that, so what am I? I'm a heathen. Hmm. So w what kind of moral clarity do I have if I separate my theology and doctrine, biblical theology, biblical doctrine from my life? So when people say, well, let's put our theological differences aside or let's not talk about theology. No, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a problem. It, well, you then know? you can't share the gospel then. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, when we say we need to love people, OK, you love them based on what? Well, you love them because God loved you before the foundation of the world and you don't deserve his love. And as a result of that, what he's done for you on the cross, you just not, not love him, not love him only, but you love others just like you love yourself. Mm. Where did that come from? Scripture, theology. So when you say love people and minister to people, trying to help people, you help the needy based on what? Not based on your human values. Your human values are selfish. You know, you don't want to meet the need of anybody. So your theology has an impact in everything that you do in life. So when people say, well, let's put doctrine and theology aside, then that's when I realize, okay, this is a hostile conversation. Uh, I don't want to be part of it, or I'm going to say what I believe, whether they like it or not. Not that part of arrogance, but I'm here to preach the word. Hmm. Um, if they if they don't like it, then my apologetics kicks in. Yes, Elijah, that, we that, we yeah, we ahead. ran out of time already. It always yes, goes sir. by so fast with you, but I uh, appreciate you taking the time with us. God we, bless you. We and, need to do a conference, you and me. Yeah, well, we'll think about it. Hey, our <laughs> listeners can pray about that as well, and we'll pray for you as you go to Ukraine next week and your uh, your trip. Um, Elijah Abraham, it. thank you so much. Tomorrow, friends, you will hear. Sarah Scheiber will talk about grief and how she got through a tremendous time and trial in her life. Also, author Terry James with us. Got a brand new book out. That's Thursday. And we'll talk about uh, the Nehemiah Institute, Dan Smithwick, on Friday in the Christian Worldview. God bless you guys. Thank you so much, as always, for sharing the podcast. And you know what to do. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>